0: X-Men! Get it! on! Hey everyone and welcome to another exciting episode of Battle of the Atom. This is your weekly X-Men podcast where we rank every story from a to z
1: i'm adam
0: and i'm zach and adam what a marvelous day it is for you and i to team up and talk about some x-men stories
1: i love team ups i really do uh unfortunately they they always seem to devolve in the two two heroes that team up kind of getting into a fight so I, i hope that doesn't happen tonight but uh we are talking about marvel team up this uh this episode right
0: we are talking about marvel team up for folks that don't know marvel team up was a series that started in the 70s early 70s uh and it was the book that tentatively was two marvel heroes smashing together in about like you know how you know how marvel comics presents turned into a wolverine book with some other stuff by by about year two so by about that same time, Marvel Team-Up became the Spider-Man Teams-Up-With-A-Marvel-Hero-Book, uh, whereas Marvel 2-in-1 became the the Thing-Teams-Up-With-A-Hero-Hero. Uh, yeah,
1: uh, and I don't think, I mean, they maybe tried a couple times to let the Human Torch be the star of this book, and it never stuck. So uh, it's it's very much a Spidey book. And we're kind of catching up with it in its last third here, where we, uh, we have some some X-Men crossovers. And who do we have to thank for this, Zach?
0: Uh, we have Patreon supporter, Kevin Newburn. Kevin, uh, who you might know, is a fantastic artist. Uh, but he went on over to patreon.com slash and said, this is the high quality comics stuff that I want to support. Uh, tossed a couple of coins into our coffers and said gents i would love it if you would talk about marvel team up 150 and we said cool that's the last issue we've got to do some other ones first
1: (laughs) well all right so we're going to start with marvel team up number 100 which is for those of you who are new mutants fans this is kind of the the first thing that you will find in the new mutants epic collection because it is uh the issue where karma is introduced Uh, page number one, introducing karma. She possesses people.
0: This was written by Frank Miller. Nope. Nope. Well, yes. Yes. He's credited as a writer on this. Uh,
1: Yes. Er, He's er, co-creator.
0: Co-creator. Yes. Excuse me. Frank Miller. And this is a young Frank Miller, by the way. This is pre-Daredevil Frank Miller. Right. Uh, and Chris Claremont writes it. And Chris Claremont wrote, uh, Marvel Comics or Marvel team up on and off uh but he did he actually had a very substantial chunk of uh chunk of work on Marvel Team Up. Uh there's also a backup that we're going to get into that is equally uh important uh by Claremont and Byrne.
1: Uh, yeah. Um can I just make a note before we start talking about the series that I uh, uh, the issue that I think it is really interesting if you look at the bottom right corner of the first page it says with thanks to Ithacon, 79 for the inspiration. And Ithacon claims to be the oldest uh, United States comic book convention. Um, if you go to their, their page, they claim that they started as a middle school comic book club and graduated into a comic convention that had, the first year it had two guests <laughs> and eventually I evolved. Would
0: have to, I would have to look that up to verify because I know I've read... Well, comic conventions were a copycat thing of, like, the Star Trek sci-fi conventions that were done in the 60s. But they really didn't pop up until the 60s. I know uh, there's a book uh, that uh, a guy by the name of Dan Garino wrote called Comic Shop that delves into that history of comics, but from a market perspective that talked about that. Because that's a lot of how the direct market came to be with resellers and all that. Mm Mm-hmm came from the con circuit.
1: Yeah, I am not sure if I could buy that they're the oldest, but I do love that they started in 75 and within four years they had guests like this that are like sitting around coming up with new characters like, Karma, she possesses well, people. Listen,
0: <laughs> listen, Chris, Chris and Frank had to drive all the way up from New York to Ithaca.
1: Ithaca, okay. <laughs> yeah. They had a long yep.
0: drive. In this, this would not be the last time Frank Miller and Chris Claremont took a road trip and then came up with a uh, story. They did that with the Wolverine miniseries. Mm-hmm. Very I don't true. know which con. They didn't thank them in that one. <laughs> I actually think that one was out in uh, California, if memory serves. Uh, well, anyway.
1: You want to get into what this is about? Because uh, right off the bat, looks like Spidey's having a hard time.
0: Yeah, Spidey's doing some crimes. But he can't control <laughs> himself um, Which, frankly The most, like, baseline Spider-Man thing to happen to him Oh, gosh darn it, Peter Parker uh, But he's being possessed by a character uh, That will later learn is named uh, Sean Man uh, Who's Karma um, Now, there's a couple of things that we need to get into right at the start mm-hmm. Karma is Vietnamese That's right. a strict character trait uh karma's a weirdly fetishized version of vietnam written by dudes who definitely didn't know much about vietnam to the point where they name her uh sean koi man uh but that's not how you say that also x i uh Uh Comma, A-N is not a word or a name in Vietnamese. It is the name of a Chinese city, a very large Chinese city, Xi'an.
1: Yeah, there's definitely some blending of cultures, nationalities, language in the backstory. And it really does, as we get to the end of this issue, kind of feel like they're picking up the story from just having watched the nightly news. You know, it it, it doesn't seem to have come from any... Uh, you know, actual experience with, uh, you know, any Vietnamese, actual Vietnamese people who they may have talked to. Um, is so-
0: Larry Hama the only Asian person in general? And I understand that Asia is a giant and diverse place and Larry Hama not being Vietnamese uh, means that he could not give a, you know, incredibly better perspective than this. But I mean, is is Larry Hama the only Asian writer to ever write karma?
1: I mean, given the track record of who writes for Marvel, I would not be surprised if that was true. Um, Jeez. You know, it's not a great track record for uh, diverse voices. So (laughs) um, (laughs) it it is a a little bit of a um, uh, dated, to say the least, introduction of this character. Uh, Now, Karma is right off the bat. Already imbued with some of the tragic backstory that we learn um, that follows her into New Mutants. Um, She and her brother did escape um, Vietnam after her parents were murdered. And she is trying to save her two younger siblings um, because her uncle and her brother have started a criminal empire in New York City. Um,
0: Yeah, man, you can tell this is a Frank Miller comic because... It's a little racist. It's got sexual assault against women uh, as a just a throat in there kind of unnecessary plot point. And it's about it's about all these crimes that they've got to solve. It's a hard boiled crime slash ninja approach. And that's that's a Frank Miller comic right there.
1: Yeah, we all know that Frank has um, issues with fetishizing Asian cultures and uh, Claremont is along for the ride here. Um, but not much
0: better. Let's be clear.
1: (laughs) Sure. Exactly. Um, and the, the center, the center of this story is that Spider-Man is trying to, um, Spider-Man is possessed by karma and goes to save the two children from the uncle. The uncle is having an art show featuring, uh, the sculptures of Alicia masters and the fantastic four are there. So of course we get our obligatory fight scene and, uh, there's fun to be had in that, uh, but they are very quick to figure out that Spidey doesn't seem himself.
0: Unlike when Doctor Octopus was possessing his body for three years, uh, <laughs> that was like a year and a half, really. Let's be honest. <laughs> uh, but the Fantastic Four figure out pretty quickly eh, this isn't our this isn't our pal, our friendly neighborhood Spider-Man, right here.
1: Nope, no, it is not. And uh, who better to call about this mystery than Professor Charles Xavier? Uh, who is observing a danger room fight scene uh, with Storm, Colossus, and Wolverine.
0: Yeah, he's just like, what's up? And then he gives them some cerebro advice, and they find Karma, they team up, they go fight Karma and her evil brother and evil uncle, because this is a Karma story, so she has to do all of those things. Um, And then they have a possession off, where Pretty her and her brother try and possess people. Mm-hmm and then she absorbs his body and his spirit because she had half a yin yang on her and he had the other half of a yin yang on his shirt and they formed one whole yin yang and it's like
1: that parts wrong it's heavy
0: handed it <laughs> it's 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 both it's both pretty weird and racist and also like just a bad heavy-handed metaphor like
1: isn't it absolutely insane that like that is only being dealt with in like now (laughs) like we just got vita dealing with that like finally in new mutants in well to be fair
0: rosenberg rosenberg was dealing with that in new mutants dead souls uh, but didn't get a chance to finish. That, that is true. Really the story that he was telling. Sure. Uh, and now Vita is picking that up in uh, their new mutants, which is incredible. I love their new mutants. I think there is plenty of valid criticism to be made uh, more about the X line as a whole. And it's a portrayal of, uh, you know, lesbian and, you know, women loving women relationships, but, mm-hmm. uh, but in general, I think Vita's doing a really, really good job with New Mutants. It's about one of my favorite b- books. That's Vita and Rod uh on art.
1: Oh, I'm loving that book. Fantastic. Loving it. But even if it Rod was Ree- just... Rod Reese Rod Reese is good. Oh, my God. He's amazing. It's classic. He wasn't,
0: he wasn't one of my favorites. I actually legitimately did not like his stuff up until really? New Mutants. And I hadn't read all of his Marvel stuff. I oh. thought he was... I thought before New Mutants... He was render, being rendered, or maybe it was the coloring, I'm not sure. It could have been his, his own finishes on it, because he works digitally. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, like, his digital inks, I thought were too tight. They were almost like a Phil Noto, but a bad imitation of a Phil Noto. Oh. Where I think Rod, like, if you look at the stuff he did on the uh, Winter Soldier book he did, or the uh, his stuff with the Captain America and Secret Empire stuff, I, it's just not my favorite. But when he got New Mutants, he tried to pull in some of that Sinkevich rougher inks. Mm-hmm. And that that unlocked something in Rod.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm loving the loose art style. Um I mean we've been criticizing Frank Miller a lot here. Um, but even though this is early Frank Miller, I think the art is fantastic here uh it's not That's as odd. polished as it will get when uh, he gets into his daredevil run um you know certainly not as
0: i like frank miller as an artist mm-hmm. uh especially 80 controversial statement 80s frank miller's a pretty decent artist <laughs> yeah um, absolutely i don't love his style here it it feels like an imitation of Frank Miller. It feels like it feels like Frank Miller still being a Neil Adams imitator and not being Frank Miller.
1: Well, that's fair. I mean, he's still evolving. Um, he's not at the point where he will be when he hits, you know, his his uh, his prime. But at the same time, a lot of the even though he's, um, I, I can't tell. It seems like he's inking some of his stuff here, but it's credited to um, I think it's Bob Wyatt doing. Uh, It says embellisher. So I I feel like he's doing some of his own inks here. You you get that that chunky uh, style that, you know, um, that he usually brings to his stuff. But uh, it's not always there in every panel. So I don't know. Obviously, it's early work, but I I still think it's cool. Um, And this introduces this character who becomes such a, a core member of everything Um, new mutants moving forward so it's definitely something that's kind of essential to learning about the history of that group of characters um could you know about karma without reading this i think there's probably enough context clues to figure that out without reading this issue i
0: think i think the fact that every karma story essentially rehashes this yeah yeah like even again we just praised uh, Vita's New Mutants, I wrote, because I had to I had to fill in for one of our discussions about that with Stephanie Burt. I wrote a thing that said, Yeah, I I like this story. This is still the same karma story we've been telling for 40 years. Could we do something else, please? Yes.
1: yes. Let's let her make out with Danny uh, Moonstar and go on some other adventures geez, that don't let involve those,
0: Let those crazy kids kiss.
1: <laughs> now, there's added content to this issue did you want to go back to karma for a second
0: no i wanted to i wanted right. to seg into the way that you're segging
1: yes yeah, so uh we get a claremont burn joint on the back of this um uh, bob McCloud is actually uh doing some of this as well i don't know if he's just doing inks or if he's drawing inks. some of this yep probably just inks um but this is the uh a a meeting between storm and black panther um in the present that flashes back to some things that we've talked about on the show before, which is their early meetings.
0: Yeah, uh, when Storm Aurora Monroe, uh, you know how she was she was born in she was born in Harlem in New York right. City. Yep. And then her father David David Monroe was a photojournalist, and they uh, went over to Cairo, Egypt, yep. where there was a bomb. And then Storm became a street thief, like yes. like she was in Aladdin. That's what it is. You're and not then, wrong. <laughs> And you remember? you remember how she was working for uh, Ahmed El-Gabar, the King of Thieves in Cairo? I do. And then eventually she left uh, after some weird dealings with the Shadow King. Uh, and then decided to wander the desert, uh, the Sahara Desert, going to her ancestral homeland of Kenya? Yeah. Uh, well, while I'm... she was doing that, she met T'Challa, a <laughs> very famous movie character. <laughs>
1: yeah they they established their relationship. It's sort of insinuated that they had some sort of romance, even though that's not pictured here at all so this is where you start to get the uh at least the structure that other uh writers have filled in of their past romance um but this centers it's, around it's weird
0: that this story comes up in Marvel team up and then is never referenced again for over twenty five years. And then they get married. (laughs) I know that's not this story's problem, but there were 25 years of Storm and Black Panther not hanging out. (laughs) And, like, if we counted every hangout from Marvel team-up as, like, a deep emotional connection, uh, well, then Karma and Spider-Man would be best friends. Like, that's the level of connection that they have here. And it's actually a, a decent plot cuz uh you get to flash back and forth uh in the present day there is a apartheid era South African uh I don't know, Elon Musk dad or somebody, I don't know him. Um but they try and uh they're doing they're doing some bad stuff And Aurora and uh T'Challa stop him.
1: Yeah, it's De Reuter, the Bull and uh in his present day incarnation he has sort of sacrificed his body to, it's just like Godzilla versus Kong. He's telepathically controlling a, a giant robot. Um, And when uh, Aurora and uh, T'Challa take out the robot, uh, they kill the old man um, who's sort of, he's
0: from that storm mini series. He's in that. I had forgotten.
1: Yeah. It's the same character. Um,
0: Yeah. The, yeah. The Eric, Eric Jerome Dickey storm.
1: Yep. Yep. Uh, So this is the end of that character's whole deal, Um, you know, but beyond sort of Black Panther having at one point given Storm a nickname, I don't know that there's that much here. So future writers will dig deep into this particular interaction. And obviously, Reginald Hudlin,
0: we can say his name. It's Reginald Hudlin. He did this. (laughs) It's his fault.
1: Yeah. But as a standalone backup story, I think this is pretty cool. As
0: a standalone backup, I think this is great. I, I, this is the kind of stuff that I would want from Marvel team up. It says, Hey, we're Marvel. And yes, it's 1980. So we're very white, but here are the two biggest black characters, uh, that we have in comics. And by 1980, probably the two biggest black characters in comics, period. Sure. Easily. Like that, that's probably right at that point in time. Yeah. Um, so I think that's, that's like, exactly what Marvel team-up should be. Yeah. Like, that's cool. I'm just still mad at Reginald Hudlin because he had to do it. Uh, and then everyone else has always had to follow after that continuously to the point that in a fantastic interview uh, that he gave that was on Polygon, uh, Ta-Nehisi Coates said, Yeah, I really did not like... I'm, I'm an X-Men person, so I really did not like them being married. Just... I." <laughs> I, I liked Black Panther and I liked Storm and I was very confused why they got married. Anyway, I did the best I could with it, and honestly, Tana Coates, probably the best Storm writer consistently since Chris Claremont. But
1: yeah, it's interesting. I think that it's uh, what what I like about this story is that it doesn't, you know, say hey these two black characters are in a relationship. They, they have been, it doesn't say these two black characters are somehow secretly related because we get that so often in continuity that we get these, uh, you know, the, we seldomly get black characters. And then when we do, they're all somehow connected. And, you know, I've, I've talked about how I hate that with Bishop and, you know, gateway and all that crap. Uh, this doesn't do any of that. It's just, hey, this is a fun team-up and these characters have some history.
0: It's the exact same kind of idea that writers would later go down the road and say, hey, what if we gave uh, Wolverine and Captain America a team-up, but it's in World War II because we know they were both there? Right. Like, it's the exact same. It's like, well, wait, they're... oh, they, they, okay, fine. They're... Not to Marvel's credit, they're calling Africa just, like, one thing. But, you know they're they're on that right track of oh, they were they were they were way closer than anyone else who storm knows
1: yes i i don't know i i think that uh it's a fun backup and uh you know leads to more story possibilities down the line and uh i you know for as tone deaf as karma's story is about vietnam um you know in terms of the scope and Historical context, you know, it doesn't have any of that. But at the same time, I think it's an interesting way to start off a character that then becomes part of a team that, that we know and love. So uh, I think we should rank this.
0: We should. So Marvel Team Up 100 is going to have to be ranked on uh, this list that we've been compiling over the last 200 episodes. There's 513 stories ranked from best to worst. Of all the X Men stories that have ever existed, and we're going to get them all on this list. Uh, you know, just believe me, you me. Hawkspox uh, is number one. Number 100 on the list is uh, X Men Collector's Edition 1 through 4 from the Pizza Hut Corporation. Uh, <laughs> number 200 on this list is Marvel Knight's X Men. Number 300 on this list is Generation X 10 through 11 Death Whale. Number 400 on this list is X Men 16 through 19 Betrayal in the Bermuda Triangle. Number five hundred on our list. It's the Hyper Store marker Fantastic Four. I forgot (laughs) that one. Five thirteen's the Draco.
1: I think this is better than two hundred Marvel Knights X Men. I think we're in the. I think we're in the the like one hundred to two hundred range. What do you think?
0: oh we have a difference of opinion
1: oh okay you wanted to go higher or i
0: was gonna i was gonna say i could put it above generation x 10 through 11 at 300 death whale
1: oh you're that low okay i
0: like like, yeah i like marvel okay what's at 250 let's split the middle let's start let's just let's just talk this through and we'll see what happens
1: (laughs) what's at 250 zach (laughs) <laughs> that's the cocaine arc of Wolverine. It's it is.
0: Cocaine. Hey Adam, right. the cocaine arc the cocaine arc is better than this, though, is the thing. John Byrne also drew part of that one, and this one's better. The cocaine one is better than this. Tell me it's not better than this. Yeah.
1: I alright. I guess that's fine. Um but it, I think it's better this than is better like, than
0: God's Country.
1: Where is that? God's Country's at
0: That's at two seventy six. Yeah.
1: yeah. No, I think we're in the right part of the list. Um, All right. Hold on. I'm looking around. I'm seeing some other things. Uh, Wolverine Noir. I saw you
0: highlighted Here Comes Tomorrow, and I can tell you that Here Comes Tomorrow is better than this.
1: Yeah, I think Wolverine Noir is better at 258. All right. Maybe I was being too optimistic about this. Um, I think it's better than 261, though. They keep killing Madrox.
0: Okay, yeah, but it's not better than that arc of All New X Factor where Gambit steals. Like, there's an island of thieves.
1: Yeah, all right, so let's put it in between those two.
0: Our new number 261 is Marvel Team-Up 100.
1: Nice. All right. Uh, And we are going to fast forward towards the end of Volume 1 of Marvel Team-Up to issue 149, where Spider-Man has his second team-up with uh, a member of the New Mutants, Mr. Sam Guthrie.
0: Yeah, this is uh, a cannonball story. Uh, Louis Simonson, Brett Blevins,
1: nice, heck yeah,
0: what a team! I love it. Um, I love it. The thing, the thing about Cannonball is that he's a good boy.
1: He sure is, and he
0: cares about his mama.
1: Mm-hmm. He's, he's
0: real upset that he can't, he can't go and help out his mama after his dad died in the coal mines down there in Kentucky. <laughs> I'm a I'm from Lexington. But I'm allowed to make that voice. And yeah, he wants to buy his mama a hat.
1: That's right. Uh, not just any hat. This is a a Kentucky Derby appropriate hat with, with some flair on top that you could wear and with, oh, it, you know, with your mint juleps like you're ready to go. It's from
0: It is from Saks Fifth Avenue.
1: Oh yeah. And it is not on sale even though those hats will be on sale later this episode. <laughs>
0: That is a $50 hat.
1: That's a $50 hat in 19... What is this? This is 84? Five. This is 84. This is an expensive hat. He's got to protect this hat.
0: Yeah, but wouldn't you know it... Uh, wouldn't you know it... The Incandescent Man shows up. Now, what do you know about the Incandescent Man? Because I know nothing.
1: Uh, here's what I know about the Incandescent Man. is that Do you remember when Dazzler got captured by the Pegasus Project? and then got recalled and went to space and became galactus's uh black hole explorer remember all that
0: i remember that story that's that as we <laughs> every time we say it sounds better than the experience of reading it that yes. is
1: yes so uh the incandescent man is basically electro um light but he's an experiment from the pegasus project who escaped And is basically like roaming around Manhattan, sucking up electricity and causing power outages. It ain't great. He's a pretty stupid villain, but we got two conflicting storylines here. We have Peter Parker, who's desperate for rent money and needs to take some new kinds of pictures. And we have Cannonball, who needs to save Ma Guthrie's hat. So (laughs) they have to do both while saving the town from the incandescent man.
0: Yeah, Spider Man. Spider Man's down on his luck. The Bugle. Uh, Robbie Robertson is saying, "Peter, I love you, buddy." <laughs> These Spider Man pictures are crap. Yeah, it's Stop like taping it's your like camera you're not to a even wall. trying. Well, he doesn't know that. I don't Does know Robbie that. Robertson ever find out that Peter Parker's Spider Man? I don't think so. But I've not read that much Spider Man. I probably like, I know now, Civil War, but but I don't know. I mean, he, no, 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 because because. No. Cause Robbie Robertson is a ongoing character in the latest arc of Nick Spencer's terrible, amazing
1: Spider-Man. And maybe, yeah, I guess he's still not in the know, you know? Uh, yeah, he's hanging
0: out with tombstone. Cause you know, you know, Lonnie Lincoln, the tombstone.
1: Yeah. Yes. Why is he hanging out with tombstone? I don't want to know.
0: <laughs> do I want to know? No, 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 you do. You do. You do. Okay. You do. Uh, Peter Parker has a roommate and it's Robbie Robertson's son. Okay. Uh, a Robbie Robertson son is dating, uh, Lonnie Lincoln's daughter, daughter Janice. Oh my God. Uh, also, also Lonnie Lincoln and Robbie Robertson hate each other from some story in probably the seventies that I don't remember. Hmm. Uh, so they have to deal with their kids hooking up. Also Janice Lincoln is the new beetle from Superior Foes of Spider-Man, a book that's that Steve Lieber drew the heck out of. And I refuse to go back and sully it with the memory, sully my memory with the actual words that are written.
1: (laughs) All right. Well, none of that sounded like something I want to catch up with. Um, Luckily for our heroes, it's not too hard to get rid of the Incandescent man because he doesn't deal well with water. Um, So, you know, we get some explanation for who he is and where he came from. And then he gets dunked in the Hudson and he's, he's pretty good. Um, though Spidey makes a very questionable choice to dump his wonderful pictures at the end of this episode and not be able to pay his rent, which I do not understand. Peter, very bad decision. Though Cannonball learns to turn, uh, which has always been an early Cannonball problem.
0: Yeah, that's the, that's the problem, is that... Uh, cannonball does learn how to turn and he turns so good that he can knock the incandescent man into the water while saving his (laughs) ma's hat and him and spider-man have a talk and spider-man's like well i don't know if the x-men are gonna kick you out but you seem really cool you can be my friend if you want it's fine we can be friends i'm lonely
1: yeah and and cannonball is like so samuel he's so happy is so happy that spider-man remembers him from the the uh marvel team up annual Cloak and dagger, new mutants, and Spider Man. He's like, You remember me? <laughs> it's great. Absolutely I, wonderful.
0: I love it. I love I love Sam Guthrie just like being an earnest, good boy. Yes. He's a good boy. And I like it. And this is a fun issue. Um, I like the art. I think I think Blevins Brett Blevins draws good art. Mm-hmm. We like him.
1: Love Blevins. Uh Wheezy, Weezy's got a handle of of Sam, and I think she does a a pretty good Spidey, too. I I like her Spidey. The Spidey and Marvel team-up is just kind of like, just a general, you know. Like, this issue in particular kind of feels like one of those PSA Spider-Man comic books a little bit. Like, it's just very general audiences.
0: He's the most Spider-Man he could be. Yes. Like, he's 100% like corporate ip (laughs) spider-man
1: right i can't pay my rent gotta take some pictures oh aunt may you know oh this is a cool kid i'm gonna hang out with for this particular issue this is great um so yeah if you're a cannonball fan you gotta track this one down
0: if you're a spider-man fan you'll probably find something you like about it
1: absolutely this
0: one's pretty good i like this one better
1: I think this one's more fun than the last one. Just, you know, watching uh, Sam really try and, and protect this uh, silly hat, I think, is great. So I think this is better than uh, the last issue we talked about, even if it's not as consequential um, in terms of story. It gets the character better.
0: This probably isn't better than Brood Trouble in the Big Easy, right? Uh, What's at
1: 2.30? No, no. I, I, I mean, it's And at 2.29 still... is
0: Spider-Man and the X-Men, the one where... Where Sauron wants to turn people into dinosaurs. So that one's better than this.
1: Yeah, it's not better than Glob Loves Man Kills at 233. Um But
0: Not better uh, than the good Secret Empire.
1: No. Nope. At 237. Uh, uh, let's see. I think it's probably on par with at 238 we have the um the villains auction arc of Generation X from Christrina Strain's run. I think we're probably on the same th- same I agree. beat is that
0: i would put it above that but below old man logan berserker
1: okay i can get behind that i think that works really as well our
0: new number 238
1: yeah that's good like we said if you're a cannonball fan you got to check that issue out you'll be all shucks and all over the place it's pretty good <laughs> <laughs> uh but now
0: we get to the moment that kevin wanted us to talk about yes this is the last marvel team
1: up it has a very somber cover
0: yeah and everyone, this is the last Mo- Marvel team up. So now, may I may I ask for a moment of silence before the action begins? Thank you.
1: It's right on the cover. I mean, it says now a moment silence. Then,
0: I'm, I, listen. I'm I'm just what? following instructions here.
1: This is an issue where that starts with Spidey having chucked his role of film in the last issue, so he ends up like taking model photos of like the landlord's daughter and her friends <laughs> like yeah, what is with on. this well, barry windsor smith I think somber it's, I cover i think
0: it's her niece still like it's her niece but this is so spider-man spider-man owes rent to mrs muggins yes uh and as an excuse to get out of a rent conversation he complains to mrs muggins mrs muggins there's, there's bikini-clad women gallivanting <laughs> above my sunroof.
1: <laughs> She's not buying it.
0: <laughs> Mrs. Buggins pretty much says, yeah, that's my niece. Also, what? <laughs> you, what are you mad about, Peter? <laughs> uh, that's, that's, of course, Randy Candy and Bambi.
1: Randy Candy and Bambi. That's correct.
0: They were ongoing characters in Spectacular Spider-Man, from what I understand.
1: Yeah, why not? I think I remember reading some issues with them again. They seem like nice kids, you know, just trying to make it in the big city. Uh, But, folks, we got to jump to the main event. And uh, this beautiful Barry Windsor Smith uh, cover does not even hint at the core beauty of this issue, which is we've talked often about it. You forgot. This is about
0: I forgot. When we when we read this one, I forgot what it was about, and then I immediately remembered and I was so happy because it's it's pure and it's beautiful and it's what I want in my life.
1: Yeah, I think the last time we had a moment like this was when um we we saw the blob uh fight the Hulk. Um, and Marvel fanfare, you know, because in, there's in Utis, these... the
0: untouchable wanted to be his friend. <laughs>
1: That's right. And this, my friends, is another great tale of the eternal bromance between the juggernaut and Black Tom Cassidy. And happy birthday, Black Tom Cassidy. Fellas.
0: <laughs> fellas. Fellas. Okay. Ladies, ladies, let's step out of the room. This one's just for the just for the fellas here. Fellas, is it gay to go all the way to Korea to break into a temple, uh, fight off the army and get a magical gem so that your friend, your best friend in your, the world, your best pal can know what it's like to live in your body and be inside of your body all the time and with your big hulking muscles? Is it is that is that is that a platonic thing to do? because I'm not convinced I I don't think I would do that for my friends but I am not Kane Marco
1: Kane Marco's devotion to Black Tom is uh, very very <laughs> like just it's a beautiful thing and whether it is romantic or platonic loves him so much i don't even care it just makes for just such lovely stories and um this is after i believe spider-man had had buried the juggernaut under like layers of nothing can
0: stop the juggernaut
1: right uh but he has escaped the in,
0: in the biggest juggernaut story Spider-Man, Spider-Man puts him in concrete and he gets stuck there for a really, really long time. And then the first thing he does is, ah, dang, Tom's birthday's coming up. I got to get him a good gift.
1: <laughs> He's checking his calendar. So the gem of Sidorak.
0: Marco Marco is so good.
1: Gives uh, Black Tom juggernaut powers. But unfortunately, it takes some of Juggernaut's power away. So Black Tom is not super psyched about this at first. So they fight as juggernauts do and uh it just leads to chaos like the x-men are hardly even in this story they get called in uh from from the danger room it's it's only a couple of them uh colossus rogue uh rachel and nightcrawler show up and uh it doesn't matter like it's just about the conversation about these two and you can tell that black tom cares about kane too
0: there's a point where he says, "Cain, I'm sorry. I was I know you put a lot of thought into this present and I I reacted I reacted with my gut and not with my head and I apologize there. I was I got too angry. This is a great gift. It's very thoughtful. Thank you so much, Cain, my best friend." Cain, <laughs> my best friend. Thank you for splitting your power with me for a day.
1: Well, and it's, let's let's not forget it's gorgeous. that when Rogue shows up, she also gets juggernauted and becomes giant sized. Uh, so we have like three juggernaut sized people. They rip Juggernaut's helmet off, only to discover that Juggernaut has a backup helmet. <laughs>
0: Shagrunt has a little helmet under his helmet because he's like, yeah, guys, I'm real freaking tired of you guys just ripping off my helmet. So I put a smaller helmet under my helmet. So now I have
1: two helmets. I love it. I absolutely love it. Uh, It's kind of perfect is the thing. It is. It is. And the two of them, uh, Black Tom and and Kane, do escape. um, Unfortunately, I believe into the sewers where Black Tom was partying in a nice, like, skyscraper somewhere with with friends um but don't he's, worry
0: do you know the next time we see black tom Cassidy?
1: no what's what's the next story x-force number one really there's that much of a gap thank there
0: is that much of a gap juggernaut will show up a few more times but just juggernaut black tom doesn't show up that's, until x-force number one
1: that's seven years that's crazy yeah. wow wow yeah bud well at least Peter Parker got some good photos this time. Uh Robbie is very, very happy with uh, the model pictures that that he has taken of uh, of his neighbors. <laughs> the the burgeoning models. With their and consent. Yes. No, it's not a it's not a camera on the wall. They asked him to take those. It's not photos. weird. It's not weird at all. Uh it is a little strange that Robbie is going to then publish said photos as like a page six number in the Daily Bugle, which a little, a little odd but you well, know
0: w- well well listen listen to they're running a story about the heat rate wave in the normal pictures they had for it the negatives got all screwed up so robbie's in a bind here he is and now he... peter peter's peter's bringing him these bikini girls lounging around in the sun and he's like this i've got to i've got to go to print in two <laughs> hours can you get the release and get back to me because yes. i'll run it i'll run i'll pay you just, I need something to fill this spot. I don't have, I don't have the inches for another article. Just give it to me,
1: Pete. I do love the uh, <laughs> the, the talk about, uh, you know, like the voucher system at the Daily Bugle <laughs> that closes out this issue. Oh my god, um, this it's, is de- it, this is delightful. I really is like it, it. Is
0: it surprising that this is written by editor Louise Simonson? Yeah, because uh, there's a lot knows. of talk about the editorial. <laughs> <laughs> needs of running a publication
1: <laughs> yeah clearly knows uh knows what paperwork needs to get filled out to to get her uh her talent paid um i would say aside from i mean hey god bless barry windsor smith doing a cool cover here everybody's holding hands i don't know what the heck the idea was for this cover or why it has the titles it does has nothing to do with you with what you see inside i guess it was just because it was the last issue of the the, the run but what a fun issue
0: yeah this one rules um a lot of marvel team-ups actually bad like Mm. pound for pound marvel two-in-one was probably the better team-up book sure um but this one's it goes out on the highest note it can i'm trying to think of this is probably my favorite marvel team-up i've not read them all um but this is this is pretty far up there on that list
1: yeah, uh, it it just definitely has a lighthearted feel to it that is just like a great moment for these two characters and this relationship between them that I, I think we've come to really know and love. So uh, where's this thing going to go? Because um, I think this is a lot better than the other two.
0: Okay, so I saw something and I just want to say it. To hear it and to hear your
1: reaction. All right, let's 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 go. What do we got? Is this
0: better than the Pizza Hut X-Men?
1: Oh, where that... Oh, okay. Where are we at here? Where's the Pizza Hut X-Men? Okay,
0: Man. listen to me. That's at 100, but listen.
1: Mm. Listen. Okay, I'm listening.
0: At 112 is the Gifts, the Christmas issue of X Factor, X Factor 27. Yeah. And this is better than that. I This is better than this is better than Ultimate X-Men the Tomorrow people. Okay.
1: I am just I'm just taking a brief swing through one fifty to one twenty five to make sure I agree with where we're at here. And because I do really enjoy this. I think it's a lot of fun. Um at 131 we have the first appearance of Unus, <laughs> which is a lot of fun with the cake. Yeah. Um, this is better than that. Yeah, I think it is Man, that's real high. Yeah, I don't ugh, I don't think I would put it ahead of 101, which is Mojo Mayhem though. Like the art's not really that great in this, you know what I mean? Like, it's fun. I would put it somewhere in between here. Cause like I think it's better than the Bendis, uh, Frazier Ir- Irving Uncanny uh Arc in Limbo, which is Uncanny X Men five 104. To seven, which is a one oh four. Um Better or worse than Fall and Rise of the New Mutants. Like, you see, like I, there's a lot of,
0: I know I'm, I,
1: I want it. You want to go how high? I think, I think it's ta- ta- Talk to me. It can't go higher no, than ni- no, 90 is at, uh, fallen angels. We're not going to put it ahead of fallen angels.
0: Fallen angels is better than this. Um,
1: Everything is sinister is better than this at 93.
0: That's better than this. Further advan- adventures at 94 is better than this. I think this is better than second X-Men second coming though.
1: Wow. Okay. Okay. Well, X Second
0: Coming has some bad art.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, let's squeeze it in between Mojo Mayhem and Second Coming. Then I think that's a really good place for it on the list. You cool Folks, with that?
0: If you like, if you like our podcast,
1: <laughs> you will you're like, this, like issue. this issue
0: of comics. <laughs> yes. It's it's very dumb in a good way, and I'm so excited that uh, Kevin uh, decided that he wanted us to talk about it. Go check out his art. Uh, it's at Kevin Newburn. Uh, all those words, you know how to spell them, so spell them that way. Uh, <laughs> fantastic. Go buy stuff from his store. Yeah, uh, it's great.
1: Zines, original art, stickers, all kinds of cool stuff. I, I have an original uh, Jubilee by Kevin, and I, I I treasure it. I think it's really cool. So get some stuff.
0: I have. I am staring. I am staring at a picture. I'm staring at a picture of Bill the Lobster that Kevin drew for me oh, and yeah. sent to me.
1: That's great. Very cool.
0: Um, yeah, it it sits on my shelf. It's great. I <laughs> I took a picture of all of my other, my shelves that are directly behind me when I'm uh, recording and working, and it had a bunch of art, and Kevin liked it. And I said, Kevin, 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 don't freak out. Yours <laughs> is right over there.
1: It's still here, buddy. It's still here. Uh, well, that's nice. I'm glad you got a chance to show show off uh his artwork back to him um so what's going on man
0: uh comics xf is doing a lot of really cool stuff mm-hmm. that's it
1: yeah go check it out uh supporting the patreon
0: i don't even know what we're... uh hellfire gala we're doing great stuff about the hellfire gala so go check that out um,
1: yeah absolutely Adam, what are you doing uh, guys you can always follow me on twitter at uh, arthur stacy and uh, what are we doing next week zach are we allowed to tell them
0: no, it's a secret.
1: It's a secret. Okay. Alright. The,
0: the next two weeks are secrets for different reasons. <laughs> good secrets. Um, they are they are good secrets. And one of them are gonna invade your eardrums real soon. But until then, this has been Bow the Adam. We hope you survived the experience. Get it!